0: Video clue to sort of where we're heading tonight. I'm very much digging around with who we are comfortable with, who we are not quite so comfortable with. I um, would like to play that game a little bit if we had time and space. Ray's not here tonight. I'm wondering if there's anyone other than him and me who've got tattoos, for, for example. Um, are a little more important categories that we'll deal with shortly Um, we're in Acts chapter 10 continuing our way through Acts and uh, this I really like this passage this is a passage I use quite regularly when I teach on critical thinking um, at SNBC because it's a really fascinating case study of someone changing their mind about something and just what it took for that to happen So Peter here has this realisation, he gets it. And I think it's fascinating because it's not so much a change of mind about things, it's a change of heart. I think um, it's not strictly... What's going on here in this story is not strictly theological, I don't think. It's about beliefs. It's very much a gut-level thing. Um, A key verse that I want to focus on is uh, chapter 10, verse 34, where Peter begins to speak. And it says... I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Now that's fascinating because the story of Acts is the story of God, uh, of the gospel of Jesus going to all the nations. And Peter's sort of been there from the beginning. In fact, Peter's, is one of the apostles. He was with Jesus from the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He was there when Jesus gave all the commissions. He was there when the Holy Spirit came on them and empowered them to go and do ministry to the ends of the earth. So like, you sort of think he would get it. But now he says, you know what? Now I realize, now I've come to this realization that this stuff is really for the Gentiles. Probably if you'd asked him beforehand, he would have assented in his head to the truth that yeah, God loves everyone. God loves all humans. The gospel's for everyone. But he didn't really get it until now um, and I think strictly what's going on here it's not about how people are saved that's not so much the realization um, it's the who who is yeah God loves everyone but does he really love them does that is that actually what it means that's what he's come to realize um, is to do with who he can imagine responding to Jesus but the question isn't you're say through Jesus yeah we get that but i can't imagine that they would be people that would follow Jesus um, um, and then i can't believe this person with this person is this real is this a genuine thing um, or even more pointedly i can't accept that 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 is difficult for me if that person becomes a christian that's a problem because I have trouble accepting them that's the sort of space that it's playing mm. in here what's really fascinating is just what it took for Peter to come to that realization you know what these Gentiles these dirty people and literally that's what it was like we lived amongst some Somali Muslims and most of them would not come to our house because it was dirty in the same sense it was ritually dirty they wouldn't eat our food actually k- kitchen was not halal Certainly they wouldn't stay with us because we're an unclean, dirty people. Um, And that's what's going on here for Peter. They're the dirty people. And so you get all these dynamics of how Peter comes to this realization that he can eat with them and end up, at the end of the story, he's staying with them, living with them, but it takes a while to get there. First thing it takes is it takes three visions And not just visions, visions that he argues back with. So here we are in verse 10. Um, Peter's in Joppa by the way which is where we left him last week. Um, He became hungry, and wanted something to eat but um, while they were preparing he fell into a trance. He saw heaven open and an object that resembled a large sheet coming down being lowered by its four corners to the earth. And in it were all the four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and the birds of the sky. And a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter said, for I have never eaten anything impure and ritually unclean. And the second time, what God, what God has made clean, do not call him pure. And this happened three times, cycles around. Now, I've never had a vision like this from the Lord, but I feel like that I would like to think that if I did, my response wouldn't be, no, God, I'm not gonna do that. Um, now, he's got a sort of a, a, a feeble theological justification for it, um, but it's still a no, and God says it to him again, and he again, he says no. I'd really like to think it wouldn't take three visions from God before I was willing to accept what God was wanting me to do. But it probably would. Again, this is not possible. It takes him three. But that was just the beginning. Took that. He then needed a a more sort of strict command from the Spirit that he needed to do something. Uh, So down in verse 19, um, some people came. And then while Peter was thinking about the vision, the Spirit told him, sorry, people are about to come. Three men are here looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them with no doubts at all, because I have sent them. I like the no doubts at all bit there. It has to sort of be added in. Um, You will need to go and do this, and go and do it right now, and stop hesitating. Don't resist again. Don't doubt. Don't question. Just get on your bike. Go and do it. And then he gets there, and where he goes to is he goes to a Gentile home. So he's actually taken that step of spending time in the dirty place. Um, it's interesting, he still has to let them know that he's not very comfortable about it. Um, I don't think it was necessary for him to say that. Um, but here in verse 28, he said to them, You know, it's forbidden for me to be here and to associate with or visit a foreigner. But God has shown me that I must not call any person impure or unclean. That's why I came without any objection when I was sent for, so what do you want? Um, I don't think any of this was particularly necessary. Maybe, look, there was a real, people did know that Jews and Gentiles didn't associate, maybe he was trying to put them at ease, I'm not sure, but there was some objection. There's no objection now, after the three visions and, then, and the other thing from the spirit, maybe he didn't object then. But it's like, he's, he's sort of, making it clear I'm here under duress but it's good I'm here what are we gonna do here and then the thing next thing that happens is he gets a testimony a miracle testimony from a Gentile so Cornelius tells him four days ago at this hour at th- three in the afternoon I was praying um, and a man in dazzling clothing stood before me and he said Cornelius your prayer has been heard send a jopper for this guy named Peter um, I immediately sent and God sent you here and away we go um, so we've had the vision and the sending and now we're getting a a, mirac- a testimony of a miracle where someone saw him and wanted him and called him to be there so there's that step as well um, and that's the point at which he says okay now I see that God's doing stuff here but even then we're not he's not sort of fully there you get, have to get to the end of the chapter We're in verse 44, while Peter was still speaking, because he he explained the gospel to these people, but when Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came down on all those who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and declaring the greatness of God. And peter responded can anyone withhold water and prevent these people from being baptized Who have received the holy spirit just as we have um, this is like the sort of gentile pentecost um, this is not the pattern that everyone has to speak in tongues um, but the idea is this is what happened back in pentecost when and they saw all this stuff and the holy spirit came upon people and people were speaking different languages and Wow, blow my mind. Now it's happening with the Gentiles. The Gentiles are having this same, they're the same level believers as us, they're fully um, indwelt by the Spirit in the same way that we were. Okay, wow, we, I get it. Gentiles are believers too. Um, and it took all this for Peter to finally get to that point. Peter, who had been taught by Jesus for years, who knew, who preached the first great sermon about what was needed to be a Christian, and now he finally gets it. It's amazing. And why did it take all this for an apostle to get in? And I think it's because Peter, like us, um, we like to think that we're reasoning, theologically driven people, but we are gut level operators. All of us as humans are gut level operators, profoundly driven by here, not so much here. about parenting. This is where you sort of see how much just you do what you're programmed, you do what your guts tell you. Judy and I, Judy and I don't argue about a lot, but just trying to work out how are we going to solve this parenting problem? Well, you do it this way. Why? Well because that's the way you do it. That's just the way you do it. I can't give you a reason, I don't know a reason. It's just it's an intuition. And it's a moral thing too. It's the right, it's not, here's a good way, this is the right way to do it because our guts drive us. And absolutely and particularly our guts drive us about what and who we find attractive or unattractive or disgusting. There's no accident, this is about food. Um, These foods were disgusting to Peter they weren't just oh, I'm not fond of that um, these are literally disgusting this morning uh, we had for the kids talk had a whole lot of disgusting food it was great like a rap disgusting food from around the world showed them and go, everyone had to pick at least one that they would eat out of the list of um, deep fried tarantulas and um, this ancient hanging rotten sharks the one that no one would touch was the Chinese eggs cooked in ten-year-old boys urine but that's what that's what Peter was having to overcome it was this gut level visceral reaction you are disgusting. this food is disgusting um, it's gut level stuff um, and our likes and dislikes are profoundly deeply seated particularly when it's to do with people tribal people people who are different from us and we if we want to we'll come up with theological justifications to justify our likes and our dislikes and our reactions to people they'll be bad it was like the theological justifications that South Africa came up with uh, to justify apartheid like they came up with some sort of weird biblical argument it was stupid and terrible But it was enough to convince themselves that, no, no, this is okay, under God we can do this because we're good at reverse engineering our likes and dislikes. So here we have this apostle and he just needed this sort of total shake-up to get beyond his likes and dislikes. Um, His problem was that they were sort of out of date, they were past, his theology was out of date. Those rules worked for them, but not for now. It completely has changed. You need to get beyond that. Get over that. You need to expand your borders. So that was Peter's realisation. And it seems to me that the Christian life for all of us is just like a series of realisations, where bit by bit the Holy Spirit shows us, oh, you need to change your attitude about that. You need to move closer to that. You need to stop resisting caring for that person. You need to expand your borders of love to include them and them and them. Um, And that's really where I want to just sort of leave this. I won't stop talking just yet, but that's the question for us. Um, Is what is your guts? Who, Who are the people who are, who your imagination finds it hard to see becoming a Christian, but also the people who, yeah, I'd rather they didn't. Who are the ones that, who, who would be hard for you to accept that they would come to faith? Who are the people you'd not rather have in your orbit of your Christian family? Um, and what will it take? It's really just a prayer tonight for, for a realisation that God would show you, um, wake you up and show you, yeah, you need to expand your borders here and here and here. And we, we can sort of pick the obvious one, so we can talk about racial stuff, but in a sense that's a bit too easy for us, I think. Don't get me wrong, I think it's real, and that tribalism is real. Um, but I'm hop- hoping God will go a bit more personal than just that. Um, Jesus said, love your enemies. I'm wondering who your enemies are that you would find hard to accept. There's the famous story of Corrie ten Boom who was a a Jew who was in the uh, Dutch in World War II and was in internment camps under the Nazis and then afterwards one of the Nazi guards became a Christian and went to her and sort of wanted to hug her because now he had been forgiven for all his sins and you saw the wrestle for her about how can I forgive this person. That's the sort of stuff that we're talking about here how do I accept as gospel is big enough for this person someone who I find repugnant and disgusting and um, can I believe that God will work in them and change them um, it doesn't have to be big and famous either I had a friend um, I won't obviously won't say his name but he um, in the little bit in the video we had the bullies who were the bullies and who were the bullied he was the bully He was not a Christian at the beginning of high school by the end of high school he was um, running the Christian group actually with Judy Um, but along the way he was a bully and um, there was a kid he'd bullied at school and then now this was not that long ago it would have been 30 years after school he um, for 30 years his conscience had been nagging him about this Christian kid that he bullied at school and so he not exactly tracked him down, but when he was in the vicinity, he went, he decided, I'm gonna go and sort this out. And he went to him and apologized for being a bully. And again, wanted the hug. And the guy refused. This is a Christian guy, by the way, the one who had been bullied was um, someone who studied at theological college with me and had been in ministry for a long time. And he refused to give him a hug, refused to, to accept the apology. No, you are too hard for me to uh, to have in my orbit, in my Christian family, that is too difficult. Um, it's fascinating, my niece, she's at um, ANU, which is probably the wokest of the universities, and she's living on campus, and she's in the arts department, the wokest of the departments, and she's a Christian, one of the, probably the only Christian in the college, she's living on campus too, in probably one of the wokest colleges in that campus too. Um, and what's really fascinating is how um, she's sort of determined just to be a Christian in that place and try and work out how to negotiate what pronouns to use and what language to use and just how can I be a Christian in this place? And her church is saying to her, why are you hanging around with those people? I just think, wow. And it's because the church can't imagine that those people... Would be Jesus people at some point down the track, um, and that's this is this thing about imagination and how big our hearts are. Um, I'll tell one more story and then we'll wind up um, at our last church. I don't think I've told this story before, but we had um, an older Ethiopian woman and a younger Eritrean woman. Eritreans and Ethiopians hate each other; they've been fighting for years. Many, many generations of hatred. Um, but these were both Christians, and the Eritrean woman started coming to church. And then I said to the Ethiopian woman, "Church is a bit different African style. The pastors say things, and people do them, and they, they like it like that." And so I said to the Ethiopian woman, "You, this Eritrean woman is going to be in your home group that that meets in her house." And she said, "That will not happen." That woman is not coming into my house. And I said, yeah, she is. And so, so she accepted it. Um, it was a bit like Peter here, really. Um, just wanna let you know, but okay. I'm here with no objections, but she came. Um, at the end of the year, we need a new group. And so we thought we'd start a new one in the e- Eritrean girls um, home. And I, so I went and told the Ethiopian woman, sorry, Lula's gonna have to leave your group because we're starting a new group she said that is not going to happen <laughs> um, um, she is now my daughter and she's not going to be taken out of my group Yeah, again boom, that's it was contact and realization and yeah the gospel is big so the question tonight is it's really a prayer God please show me show you who you need to have a bigger imagination about. And here's another thing too, notice this is about table fellowship. I'm not just talking about who you are comfortable walking in the door at church. That is too low a bar. Anyone can walk in at church and you can be nicer than for five minutes and then I'll disappear again. That's not a very high bar for who, um, how big your your love borders are going to be. This is who will you eat with and who's going to come and stay in your home. Who are you uncomfortable with eating a meal with and God to challenge you about that. Um, by the way, I, I, I doubt very much whether Peter enjoyed the food. It would take him a long time to learn to like it. Uh, funnily enough, all the Muslims I knew liked bacon. didn't take them very long to learn to eat bacon. But most of this stuff, it would it's not an easy thing that he's being asked to do. Um, it's not something that's going to be immediately comfortable. Uh, but that's the challenge. Who will you eat with? Who will you stay with? It? Who will you fellowship deeply with? And say, oh wow, yeah, you really are brother and sister. So let's pray for um, realizations about that. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you do not show partiality. You don't show favoritism but that you accept people from every nation anyone who wants to fear you and do what is right anyone who wants to follow Jesus that you will accept them no matter their past no matter their backgrounds and we pray that you would pour out your spirit on us and do whatever it takes for us to be as impartial as you are and to accept whoever it is who does fear you and follow Christ give us the imagination um, to not just accept it but to long for people who, who would be the last people perhaps we'd expect um, to follow Jesus give us that imagination to in faith pray for that and to long for that and to work for that but more than that work with our guts as well and um, help us to particularly overcome our disgust and discomfort and resistance so people, show us which people as well that, that you know that we will find difficult and disgusting and hard to come to terms with. So, but we pray that as individuals, as a community, we would come to the realizations of um, where our boundaries are not big enough. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, sure. Okay, if we have time. Sure, okay.